Hello and welcome back to another episode of the IFC's When Destiny Calls podcast. My name is James Malamus. We've got a great episode for you. We join Dr. Lahab Al-Samari and Christy Foster again, this time going over dream interpretation. It's a great discussion. We can't wait for you to hear it. If you enjoy the IFC's When Destiny Calls podcast, make sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. So without any further ado, Dr. Al-Samari, take it away. Welcome back to another episode of When Destiny Calls. I'm Dr. Wahab Al-Samurai, and this is Christy Foster. Christy, how are you today? I'm doing well, Dr. Wahab. Thank you. It's good to be back. We missed a week, and it's, I was thinking this morning, and it's been a long time, and it's only been a week, but yeah. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, so it's been a couple of weeks since we did our last podcast, so... Today, we were going to, um, Christy, you had an idea today. What, what is your idea for our audience today? What are we going to talk about? Well, I thought it would be interesting to talk about dreams Ooh. and some of the, the key, I think there's some themes in dreams that I myself am curious about what it might mean versus looking it up in a book, because what I've experienced is in the past, I've looked it up in a book and it doesn't really apply too much. So I, I would like to hear your perspective about what certain things might mean yeah. as we dream. And as we, I think there's two parts to that, Dr. Lahab, as we dream and then as trauma begins to heal within us, the dreams change. Ooh. Yeah. And so that's another piece I'm curious about is um, how do we, if something's happening and that it's there's been a night terror for example for a long time and can we confront something in the dream and if that happens then does the dream change or does our life is it able to shift if we confront something in the dream that we're afraid of well you came to the right place um i do Jungian dream interpretation i've been doing it in my private practice for about 20 years. So I've accumulated some um, years in dream interpretation. Dream interpretation uh, from a Jungian perspective, Jung believed that the dreams were compensatory, which meant that they compensated for the one-sidedness of consciousness, that whatever was uh, needed um, to complete the picture would come from deep within the unconscious and deep from um, the collective unconscious. And I say deep because what we mean is from a far away place that we can't really see um, or touch. It comes from another realm, basically, the underworld. So the dream and the underworld. So what happens is, is that Jung believed that there's, um, that the dream, there are different aspects to the dream. So there's an objective reality and there's a subjective reality. And the objective reality is the reality that we kind of exist in, the subjective reality is an internal reality. It is us as we are connected to the external. How are we connected to the external? How we see ourselves 
from the internal to the external. So if we kind of grind it down, it will be internal, external. So there are two aspects of the dream. There's an internal aspect and the external aspect. One is the internal aspect is what has this got to do with me? How does this change me? And the external aspect is how is the external affecting me? Or how am I affecting the external? They're still about the same thing. It's all about you. It's not, right. it's not about, I say the external, but it's not about the external. It's all about you. All aspects and characters in the dream come from you. They are pieces of you. They are characters that your psyche creates to dialogue with you. Is it try, are the dreams trying to give us a message about what we might be afraid of or a warning? Well, we it's, a, it's compensatory. Is? So if you're afraid of something, it will tell you what you're afraid of. If you're scared of something, it will show you what you're scared of. If you're not doing something, if there's, there's a problem, but the dream, the, the dream material helps you uh, move forward through life. It's always informing you. It's always giving you more and more information. Hey, you didn't do that. You should do this. You should move this way. So the dream, what uh, the dream, dream interpretation is the royal road to the unconscious. It is the way we see this other world. This is the way we understand it. For instance, fairy tales are like dreams. Myths, stories are like dreams because each character represents symbolically an aspect. So if it's a fairy tale, it's an aspect of the group that the fairy tale came from. So psychologically, you would look at it and say, oh, this fairy tale comes from, um, for instance, a native um, that come from North America, natives who lived in North America. So that would be an aspect of their psychological group. Mm -hmm. Your dream is a psychological aspect of you. So uh, if you tell me your dreams, I'll tell you who you are. I'll tell you what you stand for. I'll tell what? you who, who and what is your desire. I'll tell you all the things that you're not doing that you have to do. I'll tell you what you believe in and how you believe it. Why can I tell you all these things about yourself? It's because you're going to tell me through the dream. Mm. The dream is, is packed with information about you. So that, I, that you wouldn't be aware of, though. Wouldn't we be blind to, to what it meant? I don't. Can you interpret your own dream? 
No, because interpreting your own dream, you start to uh, project onto it what you want. So you can't okay. really, you have to interpret somebody else's dream. But you Which need that sense. person, you need that person to do the associations. So in Jungian dream interpretation, there's the internal and external. The second part is that each image in the dream, you ask the person for associations with the image. So for instance, somebody says, um, you know, I saw my father walking a dog hmm. near a house that I didn't recognize. Okay, so what would we do with that dream? We would ask the person, what are your associations with the dog? What are your associations with father? What are your associations with house? What is your associations with what you don't recognize? What time is the dream? Is it the afternoon? Is it dark? Is there an emotion with the dream? Are you scared? Are you happy? Are you lost? Do you not have a feeling? Then it's, what did you think the dream was telling you? So in our personal impression, there is an interpretation. Mm -hmm. The opposite of our internal impression. So whatever we want to interpret it as, you look at it diametrically to the other side of what it is not. That's helpful. That's helpful. Um, so the ego, the conscious ego, will try to create a narrative that it feels comfortable about. That's my question. Yes. Go on. Because then it, then you stay comfortable and you don't have to, not have to, but you're not aware of any kind of movement or help that you might need within the dream. Yes. I know for, I did, well, I've, I'm deathly afraid of snakes and uh, I don't like to dream about them. But I, I remember one specific, I'd been dreaming a lot about snakes. And usually in my dreams, I would, um, I completely stop breathing and freeze Ooh. terrified. Yeah. And I was doing some trauma work. I was, I don't remember exactly what it was I was doing. So in one of my dreams after that, this huge snake came through our garage and I had a great big, uh, sword, which I don't have and cut off the head of the snake. Ooh. And and I still continue to have dreams of snakes, but they're different in that um, I'm, I'm not, I'm still afraid of them. And yet, though, I'm not going into that frozen part of me with snakes. Ooh. So part of that would be an interpretation would say that the, the snake represents the trauma and that cutting off the head would mean that you would have to swallow the knowledge of the trauma because the trauma what happens with the snake the snake is both a symbol of healing and death so it carries two mm -hmm. symbols it's also a symbol of the feminine right 
it's also a symbol yeah. of um of the god or the goddess in this case it's a symbol of the goddess because the goddess transforms um the serpent the serpent is a goddess so in many ways we take a look at the dream so one is the collective image of the dream what does the snake represent so it represents the feminine it represents um the goddess it represents um both life and death because mm -hmm. it carries both yeah in the personal aspect of the dream it's about the complex could you define complex again for us yeah so the complex is the defensive structure that is created due to an individual trauma. So once we understand that we have a sister and our sister is mean, what arises is our sister complex. We have a complex about our relationship internally with our sister. And so in that complex, our interpretation of the way she treats us and how we feel about her exists in that. When our mother uh, does not respond to our hails, we develop a mother complex. Oh, what happened to this woman who gives us everything? She actually doesn't always give us everything. There's something wrong with her. She's broken. We have to fix it. She can't, how does she let us down this way? So then this mother complex appears. Um, then we have this, this boss, this father, this, this voice. And then this voice calls out our name. We don't like how our name is being called. So suddenly we develop a father complex, mm. which is why we're to this internalized voice we talk to right responding to the external voice but we develop an internal relationship to that voice as we develop all internal relationships with all of our um with all of our thoughts feelings and behaviors we start to develop an inner relationship you know you talk to yourself about it how do i feel about this right person? What do I think of them? Are they friend or foe? Mm -hmm. Are they happy or unhappy? Should I stay with them as friends? But that's not, they're not out here. You're talking to them in the outside reality. You're talking to them internally. But yeah. it feels like you're talking to them in the external world because that's how powerful the complex is. The complex comes from the archetypal structure and the archetype is the great mother or the great father or the great sister or the great brother. These are archetypal patterns. We've had them since the beginning. There's been a great father, there's been a great mother 
and how do we relate to them from the archetypal structure? The, so they, the archetypes exist in every everyone. Absolutely. So the archetypes are our patterns of functioning, how we see the world and how we move in the world and how we interpret the world. So this do, is. Do the archetypes show up in our dreams then too? And the archetypes so, show up in our dreams. And how would that be? How would we recognize that? So the archetype can show up as a helpful figure. So the archetype could show up as somebody showing you a way that you never thought of. But you can't quite put your finger on who that person is. Mm. So that, that's an archetypal pattern because it's, it's hard to associate yourself with the pattern. You say, well, it's kind of weird. I don't know what that is. But it showed me the way out. So that's an archetypal pattern. Are the archetypes more. there to help us? Are they there to guide us? Is it? They, they just exist. They are who they are. The archetypal patterns have no bad, evil, good. They are who they are. They exist. But they always, they always compensate for our one-sidedness. Hmm. So, Which we, can, we can't see. We can only see the one side. Yes. Which is the, why dreams can be so confusing. That's right. Yeah, I can understand that. So it's like it, you drive on the left side. So the steering wheel is on the left-hand side. So you feel comfortable with driving that way. Suddenly you arrive in England and you rent a car. And now the steering wheel is on the right side. Mm -hmm. And you're having a difficult time driving from the right side because you usually drive from the left side. It's throwing you off. It's the dream is compensatory. It's meant to give you a side that you don't see. You only see from the left side. Now it's giving you the right side. Then it'll give you the middle. That's a great example. So it's always giving you what you are lacking. So always, if you're on a teeter-totter and you're all the way at the bottom, it will come and pick you up from the bottom. And suddenly you're on the same. Suddenly puts you up. It gives you a different perspective. It shows you a perspective that you are not taking into account. Yeah. It can show you a resolution to a problem. It could resolve an issue for you. It always faces you with what you're running away from. And give us some examples of, uh, since you've been doing it in your practice, what are some examples that people tend to run away from and that it would show up in a dream? Uh, dealing with their childhood. So you will end up dreaming about childhood all the time. About your childhood or a child? You could dream about a child. You could dream about your childhood. You could dream about a playground. You could dream about watching children play. You could dream about having children. All these dreams are basically pointing you back to the point where you got stuck. So dreams that I've had even lately about 
a child in the dream. I don't know who the child belongs to. All yeah. I know is that I'm in charge of this child. And I remember in the dream thinking, well, I don't know whose kid this is. So that's a dissociated aspect of you that you, that the dream is bringing to you saying, hey, you need to know who this is. And that, Dr. You Rob, is remember. extremely helpful. Yeah, you need to, to remember. To see it in that way. Who are you? Yeah. Who is this kid? Why do you not know her? You should know her. Right. Okay. So how, how do you, so then how do you like go, okay, what the hell does that mean? I don't know. It's like, I still don't know the child. Then you look at the dream from all the different aspects of the dream. So where does this child exist? How was she found? How did she appear to you? What mm. is she dressed like? What does she look like? Why don't you recognize her? So you have to ask yourself all these different questions or the dream, the, the person who's doing the dream interpretation asks you all these questions and then you answer the questions. As you answer the questions, it's like a puzzle. You're yeah. looking for the final image of what the puzzle looks like because the puzzle, you have to see the story, right? So usually what they, they do on puzzles, they give you, they give you a puzzle that, is in a thousand pieces, but they show you the picture that it makes. Right. Okay. The dream does the same thing. It gives you an image and then it gives you the pieces of the puzzle and say, okay, now create the image. Hmm. Because then as I pick through and try to put all these pieces together, it starts creating an image. And a message. So that child who you don't recognize is an aspect of you that you've forgotten about, that you need to remember. And the reason you need to remember it is, is because you are looking for it. Unconsciously. Yes. Because that and that's the that's the connecting piece that I'm curious about because I I wouldn't say I was looking in my yes. waking day yes. and yet I've had a few dreams the last month about a child. Yes. So you are searching for her. So you are searching for a piece of you that you're not sure how you lost. And she's showing up, which is. She's showing up. And what is she dressed like in the dream? You know, usually she's in a little dress. Like it's always the same age. It's two, three-year-old in a dress. And what does the dress remind you of? Uh, the first thing that comes to me is innocence. Like it's just a cute little girl's dress. Okay, so it's a plain, innocent dress. Yeah, that's all. Really simple. Okay. And so when she appears to you, what are you thinking about when she appears to you in the dream? My first thought is, where's your mother? Where is your mother? Yeah. Yes. And I don't know why I have to take care of this child that isn't my child. Yes. So why would I take care of a child that's not my child 
the child is innocent, mm -hmm. what happened to her mother? That's what goes through my head in the dream. So the dream would be asking you, what happened to your mother? That's what the dream is asking you. It's what, asking. Happened, what happened to your mother? Why was she not the mother? Hmm. Why did she lose you? Why do you not recognize the child? Why doesn't she know where the child is? That's a pretty deep question. That's what the dream is asking about this mm -hmm. child. Where is the mother? What and I'm happened? the mother. What happened? So you both represent the mother. You both represent the child. Because all aspects of the dream are pieces of you. Right. Okay. But this is an internal conversation. Well, therefore, you're talking to the complex. That's really helpful, though. So that would be you're talking to the mother complex. Okay. I understand that. And so, that's putting those pieces together again to integrate what was separated. So through a dream, like a puzzle, these are the edges. So we put the edges and suddenly we start to imagine the picture that goes in. Now we need more pieces to the puzzle. So what is happening in these dreams? What is going on? So I think I know a little bit more about this dream give a couple of more examples there's some kind of natural disaster yeah so my last dream um i was in the water and it like a volcano went off when mount st helens went off i was a i don't know i was probably or maybe an early teen and i remember ash just coming on our heads so much ash and in the dream that happened again in the water mm. the volcano came up and once again i had this child that i was in charge of in the water mm. through the whole dream and then another like a tsunami happened in the water in the same dream mm. taking care of the child always always checking on this little child mm. yeah so that would be that would be a representation of what this child went through. So you're not you're you are taking care of the child, but at the same time, you're just the child is the is playing the role of the actor in the play, mm -hmm. and you are the audience. And so what that tells me is there's still work to be done. Yes. To put those pieces together. And when the volcano erupts, so the, vo the volcano is an archetypal symbol, right? Say more about that. Well, volcanoes erupt, they, what do they erupt? They transform. Mm. They transform the landscape. And what comes from deep within its belly is fire and rock. 
So it's a transformative process. It's deep within the unconscious, there's an explosion and there's new material that appears in the form of ash. Material that was unseen before, that was hidden away. What happens when a volcano erupts? What happens is, is that no longer can it contain the material within it. And therefore you have an eruption. And the eruption brings out the material that was hidden. So that's a good sign. In the form of ash, the ash is what? The ash is a material that is disintegrated, but it's left a residue. So this is part of the trauma work you're doing. A lot of ash is showing up. A lot of things that were thought not to have existed, a lot of things that were buried long ago, a lot of material that was coming down. Where was it coming down? It was coming down on my head. Yeah. So I am recalling things in my head that I had thought I would never see again. Because where did they come from? They didn't come from my head, they fell on my head. Right. So they came from within, so they've been disassociated and suddenly there's an eruption and all these things come back. And do they come, as they come back within a dream, is it the unconscious starting to piece together then? Yes. Yeah, so what, what are you doing with the ash is falling on your head? What is your reaction to it? I didn't have a reaction to it. I just noticed it. Did not have a reaction to it. Yeah. It gives us another piece of the pie. As soon as you said you didn't have a reaction to it, it's like, oh, that's interesting. Why? It's ash. It's coming down all over your head. It's like on your face. It's covered. No, you didn't have a reaction to it because that's information that does not require a reaction. So what you are remembering is becoming more part of memory than mm. of emotions that were trapped underneath that volcano. So that was an emotional eruption. Hmm. So when we observe more in a dream versus reacting in a dream, is that, is what you're saying is that's. It gives us an indication of what we are doing or how we are perceiving. Our perception that's fascinating. Is, is telling us our perception has changed. And in a, in a positive way, you're starting to Correct. heal. You are seeing more of what you thought you couldn't tolerate or see. Well, in the same dream, so just in his example for people, in that same dream, so the water came in, the water went out, and to walk to where I was sleeping, I had to walk through 
um, gross black worms and uh, dead fish, things that in my dreams, normally I would have frozen again. Mm. And I, I was observing in the dream going, I remember telling myself, Christy, it's a dream mm. and take them off of your feet and keep walking. Mm. So once again, that's a piece that what you're saying is I'm noticing, observing versus reacting and freezing inside the dream. So these were the things that were holding you back as a child. These were the pieces, the fragments, the shards, the black worms that were feeding off of you, off the childhood traumas that you were able now to take off, remove, mm -hmm. and keep walking forward. Before, what you said was you would have froze. Yeah. Freezing is a reaction to the trauma and not being able to move forward. That's when you know you're trapped by the trauma. And I've had many dreams like that. So this actually is a very positive dream. Correct. That yes. I could move through and observe the dream within yes. the dream. Absolutely. Oh, that's, that's a good thing to hear today. Yes. So it's a transformative dream. What does not happen. <clears throat> so the dream, as we said at the beginning, in Jungian psychology is compensatory which means it gives you a view of what you can't see. It shows you what you need to see. Which is why it's so important to have an understanding of dreams in a different way than what yes. you think. Yes. So the dream has many different aspects. And this, this, is a, this dream is both a collective dream and it's also an individual dream because it's part of your existence, your life, and these are pieces of you. But it's also part of the collective, <coughs> excuse me, because <coughs> we do have a volcano that has erupted on this planet. Mm -hmm. We are facing tremendous weather change for the worst. And what you're witnessing in the dream is the disasters that are occurring on the planet. So you are a barometer of what happens on Mother Earth because you're a piece of it. And therefore, it's not just about you and your world, it's also about you and the world. You both, that makes sense. you both exist internally and externally. You're both connected, right? Mm -hmm. We talked about this at the beginning. You're both internally connected to the world. This is your internal world. And you're also externally connected to this other world that you live in, that you breathe the air, that you eat the food of, that you drink the water of. Right. So... There's a collective aspect to that, and that's the volcano. And that is all the pressure that is building underneath this planet 
that we have not taken into consideration that we have pretended doesn't exist. Mm. That if it's far away from us and we don't have to look at it, we don't have to deal with it. And yet we are dealing with it in our, in that unconscious piece, in our dreams. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Because we are, we are the planet and the planet is us. Absolutely. So, so the aspect of the dream is yes, there is this personal aspect. And then we look at the collective aspect of the dream and the collective aspect of the dream doesn't look good. No. It is, it is the loss of the mother and the mother symbolizes Gaia, mother earth. It's the loss of the mother. Where is your mother? The dream asks. Mm -hmm. What have you done to your mother? The mother is lost. Because the mother is in distress. That's profound, Dr. Lahab. That's so true in our world. So that would be a collective understanding of the dream. And then there is the personal understanding of trauma in the dream. Mm -hmm. And right now, the, the planet is dealing with the trauma that we put upon it. We've traumatized the planet. We've torn up the trees. We've, we've dug into the earth. We've polluted everywhere we go. And we keep spewing gas into the atmosphere to choke us all to death. Would that be part of we've lost the relationship to the mother. Yeah. Because we've lost the mother. Yeah. Yeah. And, and is it partly because we've lost that relationship? We don't value her anymore. We don't value in the dream. In the dream, the question is, where is your mother? What happened to her? We're not conscious that the mother is dying that we're killing the mother. We're conscious of the child's loss. We're not conscious of the mother's loss. Mm. Because we're only asking one question. Where's your mother? Where's your mother? We're not asking what happened to her. Where is this person? We're not asking that. We're asking, where's your mother? We're just asking the child about their mother. We just want to know why the child is alone. We don't want to know what really happened to her. And why, why wouldn't we want to know? Because that's a good point. And that leads to that question is why aren't then we there's, Then there's the interpretation of... <clears throat> She's disappointed us. She's let us down. She's not all loving. She's not all forgiving. She didn't fulfill her role. She didn't keep us safe. And so we blame her. So the internal says, this is why I was traumatized. The external says, this is why I keep being re-traumatized. It's because Mm -hmm. of her. 
and pulling that into the collective of the planet. Yeah. Say a little bit more about that. Well, when, when the trauma is untreated, we traumatize everything outside of us. Because what we know about trauma is that trauma can be inherited in your DNA. Mm -hmm. If you're traumatized generations after you, it will, it will change the way the DNA works. It will be imprinted on it. And then it will be passed on to future generations. And so now we've been traumatized so much that we're traumatizing the external. We don't understand that our internal, our internal wellness is predicated on creating an external wellness. If it doesn't exist, we don't know what that looks like on the outside. So we're really living. It makes me think of the last Matrix movie. Yeah. And when they flipped people on and they just jumped out their window. Yes. And so what you're saying is if we don't heal those parts of us that are disassociated. We self-destruct. And we become blind and numb to what's happening around us. Yeah. We're ticking time bombs. We're just like flickering off into the sunset. Yeah. Like the Matrix movie, we just get out of bed and jump out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Because I thought that was very profound in that movie. Yeah. It's a very dissociated aspect of the trauma. Mm -hmm. I am so dissociated in so much pain that mm, I am disconnected from my physical entity and my physical entity can be destroyed and I wouldn't care. Yeah. It's very simple. So but it's not, right? Does that, that would tie into like the shootings that are happening all the time too? Absolutely. That's exactly are, the same they, thing. They are, they are exactly what the, um, what the Matrix movie was doing. Yeah, it was I can showing see that. you what trauma and disassociation look like. And trauma and disassociation look horrific. It looks horrific because it looks unhuman. Mm. Not inhuman, unhuman, it's not human. It looks like an alien. It looks like something from a different planet. Somebody who wakes up in the morning and decides to go into the New York subway and start shooting people. That is not human. Right. I haven't thought that these people have lives or children or people who depend on them who mothers or fathers or sisters or brothers or they are spouses or friends of and all these intergroups that we function as humanity suddenly i look at them as non-human anymore i don't they're just they're just crowding the streets they're just 
taking up space. Yeah, it's I when we dehumanize the other. This is also an aspect of dehumanizing the other. I think we talk about it with Ify in how these kids with these um, special medical conditions are looked at and how they're perceived. It's, it's a dehumanizing of the other. Yeah. When you look outside and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, they don't count. They don't matter. They're not important. They don't look like me. They don't function like me. I don't care about them. That's the continuation of the internal trauma working its way out into the collective. I can so see how that happens. And that's the internal to the external and the external to the internal. So important for us to pay attention then to the messages that come to us about our own internal self. So we can create more, um, more integration, but I would say more compassion for whatever experience one might have. So you can hold that for your neighbor or your sibling or your parent. Yeah. Compassion, empathy, and that leads to love. Yeah. You start to love oneself and you could love the other. You start to be mm-hmm. able to forgive oneself and therefore you're able to forgive the other. Yeah. And, that, and there's, a, there's a root to that. It's like, can I forgive myself? Right? And right. so in the dream, the dream is about forgiveness. Why do you need to look for the mother? The child's been brought to you. You could say exactly. That. You can save the child. You can become the mother. Yeah. It's a very good example. Yeah. Really good example. But that's how it works as compensatory. Mm. It shows us how we are not seeing. We are only looking from one direction. We're not seeing anything else. You know, if anybody is driven down a highway and then said, yeah, I passed through that town. And you ask them, what does this town look like? They have no idea. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Because their view is of the highway. Yeah. Their view is of the street. They just look at the street. They are not looking left or right. They don't see that. Well, and being aware is also has to do with healing trauma and helping yourself see other people. Literally, I think that's a a fractal pattern within societies that happen that become a normal thing to not see. Correct. And become numb to suffering or bigotry or like with Effie and little four, just turn it, turning the other way. So you're not uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This is why, you know, um, people are numb. They're Mm -hmm. numb because they don't feel what the other feels. Therefore they're not feeling what they need to feel. Yeah. They need to feel about themselves. You know, this all starts with forgiveness, right? 
What the dream gives us is that there is no problem that doesn't have a solution. The dream always gives you a solution for the problem. There's always a resolution within the dream that says, hey, you could do things differently. You don't have to be stuck. There are different solutions to the problem. And it will keep sending the message over and over again. Mm. Because it's, it's a message that comes from the planet itself. That there is hope. That there is life. That there is creation. That there is opportunity. There is change. That all the things that we think cannot change actually are very easily changed. And we learned that early on in the pandemic. Absolutely. Everything was closed down and suddenly we can, we didn't have to do anything. We learned that very early on that actually nothing is the way it seems. That was a, that was a great teacher. It should have been. The pandemic was. It should have been, but people want to put it behind them and not see what it taught us. I don't want people to put the pandemic behind them. I want them to see it. I want them to learn from it because it will inform everything else you do. And what is it that you want them to see? I want them to see how easily it contradicted every single thing that we were taught from the day we were born. It contradicted them one by one. Oh, if you don't work, you can't eat. Oh, if you don't work, you can't live. Oh, if you don't work, you can't create. Oh, if you don't work. Oh, if you don't work. Oh, if you don't do this. Oh, if you don't do that. Suddenly it was like all out the window. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't really have to. Uh, we'll just take a couple of months off. People's vacation is not a couple of months. We took a two-year vacation. But, you know, but we can't do that because, you know, we don't have the resources. We can't feed the people. We can't do this. We can't do that. We don't have money. We don't. Lies, 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 lies. Illusions and lies. So it's, yeah, because we are getting back into that rut. Illusions and lies. Just forget about the pandemic. Let's put it behind us. Let's move forward. Move mm-hmm. forward means forget about everything you learn. And Very every dangerous. Time, and every time, absolutely. And every time we don't learn, every time we don't learn, we, I mean, Putin taught us over and over again, but we didn't learn. Oh, mm-hmm. you know, what did Bush say? Bush, um, Bush Jr. said, uh, I can look him in the eye and I can deal with him. What the fuck? What does that mean? What does that nonsense mean? When you have somebody who's telling you, I have no personal or moral issue holding me back from doing anything I fucking want. Yeah. So, Ukraine should not be a surprise 
Ukraine was a fact that was going to happen. But we keep pretending at the cost of ourselves. We keep pretending that we don't have problems. Mm. That's very dangerous because it keeps coming back and facing us and looking over at us. And over and over again. Yeah. It just, we have the rise of fascism. Fascism was a big thing in the 20s. Now we have it again, mm -hmm. 100 years later. We didn't learn our lesson the first time. Nobody looked around and said, oh, this is really bad. We should never do this again. They're still doing it. They still play the violin for nationalistic and racist reasons. but. Those violins are your end. They're the destruction that you're sowing. So if we pay attention to our dreams, if we pay attention to what's changing within us, then we can see the possibility of what is out there. So important for us to look at that and to see what's happening, not only within us, but definitely in our world. Yeah, I mean, in the dream, the dream is, the dream gives us very important material. It gives us all the treasure mm. of how and what is happening to us and where we're going. It actually shows us the future because in the dream state, there is no past, present, or future. They all exist in one. Mm -hmm. Time doesn't exist. Time is an illusion. Because you could be a little kid and thinking like you're a 50-year-old. Or you could be a 50-year-old thinking like you're five. Yeah. And you don't know why you have this older body and why you're in this place or what you were doing. I had this, I had this reoccurring dream that I was that somehow I was back in Baghdad and I didn't have a passport. <laughs> and it haunted me for a long time. It was like, okay, how did I get back here? Okay, I don't want to be here. Okay, why don't I have a passport? <laughs> how did I travel here in the first place? So part of the, part of the, the trauma of being trapped, part of the trauma of not um, being able to live the way you want to live mm. to live in a place you want to live in to participate in things that make sense and give you um give you hope but being back trapped not being able to move yeah. And, and in those, I mean, in those dreams in particular, it was Saddam's Iraq under, you know, totalitarian control and the way um, that I fantasized would be like, I hated when I lived there and couldn't wait to leave there because that, what, that felt suffocating. 
So I had to deal with the dream. I had to deal with the reality of there were parts of me that I couldn't escape from that I needed to deal with. Mm. So do you, did you have someone interpret your dream? Yes, I had actually. I, mean, I had someone interpret my dream. Because I would, th- I even though you know how, you I still had, have a blind spot. I had, uh, I had Dr. Murray Stein uh, interpret my dream at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was, this is what traps us, right? Right. How we get trapped. This is how we, we, I had this reoccurring dream for a long time that I was running up a tower. And as I get closer to the top, the railing on the left starts to disappear. Suddenly I realize there's no railing. And I'm just running up the stairs. And suddenly I look down, fearing that I might trip and I trip. And then I fall. And I fall within the tower all the way just before I hit the ground, I wake up. Mm. So I was having it for a long time. And um, I went to a talk at the Young Center in. Chicago, who was up in Evanston. And, um, and Dr. Harry Wilmer was speaking. Dr. Wilmer passed away. Um, but Dr. Wilmer was treating people with um, PTSD, World War I vets. They used to call it shell shock. That's when he started treating trauma. But I was walking out of the lecture and it was on dream interpretation. And I said, oh, Dr. Wilmer, you know, I've had this dream since I was a kid. His sons were with him. And I thought, you know, maybe get a like a two minute interpretation from Dr. Wilmer. Dr. Wilmer has been, um, he's a guru in terms of dream interpretation. I said, I run, I told him the dream of running up the tower. And he said, he said two things to me. He said, why run so high? Why, why climb, why climb so high and why run so fast? So the two things that kept like in my head for weeks, months, actually, many years later, (laughs) was why run so fast, why climb so high? So I thought he was messing with me, right? But I kept thinking about why run so fast, why climb so high? It actually made a lot of sense in the end. It was, it was my fear of not being able to go where I needed to go in the time that I had. So I was running against myself. That's a pretty profound interpretation for you. And that was, and that was what he, he gave me, right? So I remember that. And um, so dreams, dreams have very important meanings to us they give us insights that 
don't come very easily, yet they're readily available in our dream material. If we're stuck on something, look in your dream. If you're stuck with a resolution or a solution, it will come through the dream. Watch for your dreams. Your dreams will give you the answer to the problem. They will never leave you wanting or needing. And to make, I know for me, if I don't write it down right when I wake up, I forget it quickly. So that is also helpful to write it down and all the details, no matter how strange. Yeah. I just put it down. Otherwise it's gone by 10. Ooh. Yeah. 10 AM. It's over. Yeah. Because the details seem to be very important from what I'm hearing you say. The more you pay attention to your inner life, how you feel, how you treat yourself, how you think about yourself, how you talk to yourself, the more the dreams become readily available and the details become clearer. The more we are antagonistic and we're fighting ourselves, the darker the dream and the more the material seems disturbing. It only gives, it gives us another sight of what we're doing. It gives us a look to our own internal reality. So when you, start to, when you start staring at the abyss, Nietzsche says, the abyss starts to stare back. Hmm. The dream gives you what you're giving your psyche, what you think you are. The dream shows you what you are doing. And so what about, and this might be for another day, but what about people who don't dream or they can never... They say they don't dream or they don't remember their dreams. Well, what we do know is that um, everybody dreams almost all the time. So there's a part of our psyche that's always working. We're always dreaming. We're always, there's always a, a dream state going on. When we, when we are treated for trauma, Dreams come back. So if we didn't have mm. dreams before, when we get treated for trauma, our dreams come back because that's just another aspect of dissociation. When so we- in, in JAMP that you've developed, Ooh. I noticed after some of the sessions that I have had, that's exactly what started to happen was yeah. my dreams were very vivid it was easier for me to get in touch with the dream, which before I was, I don't think I was that aware. Yeah. And after doing some jam sessions, that's where the awareness came in really clear. Yeah. And more observing in the dream during after jam as well. Yeah. I mean, the more, the more you treat the trauma, the more you're able to recall a large part of, your own feeling state, Mm -hmm. which gives you a stronger ability to recognize your internal world. The more you're disassociated, the more numb you are, the further you are away from your internal state. Mm 
And therefore you're in constant conflict with your internal state. So you don't sleep, you pass out. There's a dissociative aspect to it. So there's all this material that's coming in, but you're not seeing it because you have blocked off. You've created all these walls due to the trauma, not because it's your fault, but due to the trauma, these walls have been created and therefore you can't access what is actually right there in front of you. And therefore it starts coming in very clearly and it feels like, and it looks like you're retrieving something that you hadn't seen before, but actually yes. it's right in front of you. It's always been there. It's just, you can see it. You can see it because of the dissociative aspect of the defensive posture that the trauma takes because we know disassociation is the way the mind deals with something that it cannot, it does not think that the person can swallow at that point. So we'll um, split it off. Wouldn't you say every human being has some aspect of trauma that some much more than others, but we, it's all still our responsibility to look at that as I I think it's our responsibility as adults to, to look at that, to become more whole, better humans, better parents, better members of our community. Yeah. I mean, birth is a trauma. Yeah, it's, most definitely. It's, it's, it's an overwhelming, shocking, traumatic event that occurs to us. Well, what happens, the first thing that we do is we cry. We scream, we yell. It's our first trauma. Now, if we're lucky, that becomes, you know, our last trauma. But we live on this planet and we know that doesn't happen. We drive no. cars and we know that doesn't happen. We drive bicycles and we know trauma happens. We wear skis. We know trauma happens. We run, we jump. We use weapons, we use knives to cut things, we get cut, we climb trees, we fall, we scrape. Trauma occurs all through the lifeline. Hopefully, those events are healable. It's when they are not, when you do not heal from it, when it's not workable, then you carry it on over and over again over the lifetime and it becomes chronic. And therefore you physically and emotionally and psychologically become ill. That's when trauma takes a toll, but mm -hmm. we all carry trauma. We all carry some form of trauma. If you've ever seen a loved one die, if you've ever had anybody and everybody has, somebody who's died, somebody who wasn't born, somebody who died at birth, somebody who um, died in war, somebody who got killed, somebody who got shot, somebody who got hurt. And this is it's just existence on this planet. Mm hmm Well, that was a that was a fascinating. I think that's one step into the dream world, Doctor Lahab. Yeah, 
many um, many aspects to talk about and look at to help understand our dreams better. Yeah, we look forward to having more conversations about dream interpretation in future episodes. But um, yeah, Christy, I thought it was really good that uh, we gave everybody kind of an intro opening, mm -hmm. a look behind the curtain at um, what dream interpretation um, potentially can be and what you can use it for and how and it helps us. Absolutely. Looking forward to more, more conversations about that. Yeah, me too. Um, until next time, we are When Destiny Calls. I am Dr. Wahab Al-Samurai. Oh, Al-Samurai. This is Christy Foster, and we are When Destiny Calls. We will see you next week. Thank you for tuning into this episode of When Destiny Calls. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Christy and Dr. Al-Samurai. You can find us on the YouTube at the Institute for Conflict. Make sure to also check out the JAMP Training Institute's Magician's Call podcast. Tuning in next time to the IFC's One Destiny Calls podcast for another episode soon. The IFC is a non-for-profit institution. We do not have any paid advertising for our podcast, but we do accept donations. All donations and contributions are tax deductible. You can find more info at the Institute for Conflict.com.